Hello and welcome to Mike's Open Journal and to episode 68 where I am going to be talking to Miss Anxiety herself, Beth, uh, in a few moments. Now this might be a slightly longer episode, I don't know. I've actually had to do a little bit of editing with this one because after myself and Beth finished up our chat, we ended up talking for a little bit longer and it's meant I've got to edit a little bit towards the end of the podcast. Um... So yeah, I'm not too sure how long this one is. I think it should be just over an hour. It shouldn't be too much longer. Uh, But thank you to you guys for listening in. Uh, As always, please do get in contact uh, with myself if you're interested in coming onto the podcast or you just want to give a bit of feedback. It's always cool to hear from you guys. Everything to do with the podcast uh, and the blog that I also write is over at Mike's Open Journal. Dot com and you can find out loads of stuff over there. Um, that will link over to the Facebook page, to Twitter, um, and to all that stuff. I also want to say uh, a big thank you to all of the guests that have come onto the podcast recently. It's been really cool to have had uh, kind of a good run of different guests each week through the summer, uh, and I've got a couple more left as well so that's been absolutely amazing uh beth who i originally started talking to over on twitter uh and you can find her there at real miss anxiety um it's pretty cool it's another one of those people that i've spoken to quite a bit and it's kind of all come from originally twitter so filling up with the twitter love uh i'm going to drop you guys straight into the chat with beth and run off and do a little bit of editing towards the end of this so uh Thank you very much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I think I have a couple of people that have come onto the podcast, and I think mm-hmm. we've kind of found each other through Twitter, um, mm-hmm. which is the same kind of thing I think we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want to say that the first time we spoke was probably in a chat, but I can't remember what chat it would have been. I don't know. Yeah, I think it might have been talk mental health or something. Yeah, I was thinking... Possibly the Monday night chats. Yes, it was. It was mental health chat hour. Yeah, I remember now. <laughs> yeah, was it before the name changed? I think it might have been. Yeah, because yeah. I think we... Uh, yeah, because I feel like it's a little while ago, which I think yeah. possibly... It's really bad. I can't remember what it was called before <laughs> now. Um, no, I can't remember. Damn it. <laughs> I'm so bad with the like once stuff changes I just accept it and I'm like yeah um, that's a good thing well it's like when people have their hair cut and they're like oh does it look better I'm like I honestly can't remember what it looked like yesterday (laughs) I've just accepted this is your hair now I don't know what it looked like before (laughs) oh my god that is brilliant so it's not always the best Oh dear. How how <laughs> how have you found like the kind of the Twitter chats and stuff like that? I mean, especially the Monday night one. Oh, um, I love them so much. I think they're such a great way to kind of connect with people. I mean, especially I feel like for me, I felt like I was the only one that was like suffering with mental health for some reason, which mm-hmm. is a ridiculous thing to think. Um and then I came to these kind of chats and I was just inundated with tons of different stories and it's just it's so nice and the friends that you make there as well I I genuinely think that they're friends for life you know I think it's a really interesting one as well because like you say I think there's that I don't know it's like the common sense 
side of your brain says, yes, I know there's loads of people that suffer with this. Yeah. And suffer with things that are similar to what I'm going through. But at the same time, it feels really like, um, I guess, non-personal. Just like, it's a fact. There are other people. Yeah. When actually, like, when you hear someone talk about something similar to you or even if it's something completely different and it's something you don't know about because it's like oh that's um I've got to feel the need to pick a like a name that's not used now like a Steve (laughs) or a Sarah um yeah (laughs) uh, and I'm like oh you associate a lot more with it because it's come from a person rather than like oh it's just an example or it's a theory like yes other people do have this like oh I've actually learned more about like OCD or whatever because I've heard it from a particular person and their experience with it yes exactly totally I think that's the great thing about it everybody's kind of like got their own diagnosis and everybody's so open about it and you do learn so much I mean I I can't remember what the the kind of illness was I think it was PTSD Mm. and I, I knew about it but I didn't I didn't really know about it I kind of was vaguely kind of knowing about it and I've met some people online and they've really helped me to kind of gain understanding the same with um disassociative disorder i think that's what it is or something Mm. um and i think those little kind of the ones that are not as well known as like anxiety and depression and and Mm. stuff like that i think it's so great because like you say it is kind of you associate it with a person and that person's got their own personality and it's just like you you do learn so much more because you get that personality within it i think it's great and I think especially when you were saying about the PTSD, like mm-hmm. that chat was really quite a cool one because it was like, oh, yeah, I know some of the symptoms. But there is that, again, while with my brain in gear, I understand <laughs> it's not just like um, soldiers and people in service that will suffer with that. But mm-hmm. I, I do make that generalisation that actually probably 80% of the people that suffer with this are like former or current service men and women. Yeah. Actually, when you hear people talk about it, like, oh, there's so it can almost come from anywhere. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know why. My again, my assumption is maybe it's just because that's what's on the news. I don't know. Mm. That's what's that's what gets coverage. Yeah. Um, like it just seems strange now to know how so many people have um, been affected by that illness. I'm like, where has the generalization come? That it's just service know. people. I don't understand. I guess it might come from, like, you know, movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably where I took it from. And I just assumed, like, PTSD was for soldiers and mm. people that had been, like, traumatised in war and stuff. But since obviously since coming to Twitter and, and kind of getting to know people that have it, I don't know why I just assumed that they'd all kind of been <laughs> in wars. It didn't make sense. And then eventually I kind of got used to the idea that, actually this i mean especially ptsd Mm. it can come from like you say anything yeah it is i I don't know i think that there's i mean there's so many but that's one of the cool things about the chats is um sometimes it can be a chat where you think actually i'm not affected by that i don't really know about that and it's easy to drop off yes Um, but that's the ones that really you can get quite a lot from because you pick up loads of information about something you didn't really know about um, yeah. And I think you do have to have a little bit, I don't know if patience is the right word, but you have to have a little bit more patience because it's not always, you can't, you're not always, I guess, as active 
in yeah. those chats because a lot of it is kind of reading and picking up on the answers because rather than having like a spin-off chat with two or three people you're actually kind of reading every answer yes totally um, but yeah there's a lot to be gained from some of those and it can be really interesting to kind of key in and I think that's what I like about those sort of chats where you have um whether it's a guest host or just a, a different topic each week it is quite nice that you get that rotation of the different illnesses or different symptoms and different things that people are struggling with or affected by. Oh, definitely. Than... Yeah, I think especially when I first came to the, to Twitter and started doing these chats, when I saw a topic that kind of didn't really relate to me, I thought, yeah, I'm going to give that a miss because mm. I can't contribute to it. Yeah. But eventually, kind of as I've gotten kind of used to the whole community and stuff like that, I've really tried really hard, even if it doesn't really relate to me, to try and join as many of the chats as I possibly can. And it is true, just like you say, you do learn so much from just joining in one like the PTSD one. I, I had no idea really mm. what PTSD even was. So it's a great opportunity and it, it never really feels like you're being spoken down to because you don't understand either. It's kind of like a really good kind of community atmosphere. And if you have questions, people don't kind of look at you and be like, oh my God, how did you not know that? Or, you know, mm. whatever. It's very, you know, everybody who's suffering is very, very understanding, which mm. is really, really nice for somebody who, I mean, I, I was completely ignorant <laughs> towards it basically. And they kind of took me under their wing and, and taught me what they know, which is just great. It's a nice, yeah, it's a nice environment, I think, to be part of. And I think it opens your eyes again to that idea that, it's just that understanding that we're we're not gonna 100% get it but you can have an idea and it's okay to not get it and it's okay to say this works for me but that doesn't and something that works for you might not for me and it's just having that open discussion I think and like you say sometimes there can be that fine balance between saying that's not something I'd recommend but it works for you so great Um, (laughs) that can be touchy sometimes but again it's (laughs) it's having that environment where you can actually interact with people ask those questions that yeah sometimes you might feel a little bit ignorant asking them but if you don't ask them you're going to stay in that ignorant on or that ignorant type stage or state I guess yes Um, totally and it's those other people that have had that experience being brave enough to be able to answer those questions as well so those chats are all good (laughs) Um, so I don't know if you wanted to tell us a little bit about your experience and your history with mental health and where you are today. Oh, sure. Definitely. Cool. Uh, well, my kind of, my mental illness started when I was a little over 10 years old. Um, and I started showing signs of real intense anxiety. Um, I was just very, very nervous. So I was very nervous about being separated from my family and, and whatever. And in school, especially, teachers started to notice that something wasn't quite right. I was just crying a lot of the time and, and stuff like that. And eventually I went into therapy and got diagnosed with uh, emetophobia, which is the fear of vomiting. Um, which then led to being diagnosed with general anxiety disorder, uh, which then led to anorexia, which was really not good, and then which led to depression. So I've kind of I've been through the wars a little bit. Everything seems to have led on to something else. Um, but I, I guess what I have learned 
I mean, it's been, what, about 11 years since I was properly diagnosed. Um, I've kind of been on a journey to speaking out about how I genuinely feel. I think for most of the time, I was very, very secretive about how I felt and what I was going through. And it's taken me basically 11 years to say, this is me, this is it, and kind of go out onto Twitter and onto YouTube and realize actually there's a whole world of people that feel almost exactly the same. Hmm. So, you know, it, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, but it's been a really, really good one to go on. So, do you think, um, like, when you started off, do you feel like it was kind of anxiety that you had and then that led to the other illnesses that you were affected by? I think the way that it started, I had a really bad kind of experience when I was about 10. Um, and I basically, all of my family, we got a really bad sickness bug. It was just horrible. And nobody likes being sick, do they? I mean, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> Not a crisis. Um, <laughs> exactly. And I guess my, you know, family and friends, they were like, well, nobody likes being sick. So, you know, what's wrong with you, you know? Mm. And I basically got a huge compulsion to prevent myself against getting sick. So I would have excessive hand washing to the point where my skin on my hands was really cracked and it was oh my, it was really, really awful. Um, and I wouldn't go out, so I was becoming agoraphobic. Um, I would avoid as much as I could meeting with people, especially young children, because they are notorious for getting sick. Mm. Um, and I basically became a recluse really like from that early age as well it's it's not really I guess I want to say normal but I don't think that's the right word it's not really kind of usual um kids normally that age are exploring and they're getting to the point where they're gonna go up into secondary school and I was just completely kind of out of it I was just avoiding everything basically I suppose you drop off of the some of those social skills as well of like mixing with other children and oh, yeah. being yeah. around as people are starting to learn how to oh, build yourself sounds weird but <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's totally true it makes sense like I, I remember when human. I was going up from like year six into secondary school mm. and you know all my friends I felt like they somehow gotten a step ahead of me in you know since I've kind of been keeping out of the loop of social kind of things that were going on um, and by the time we went up to secondary school I was really out of my depth I had no idea what was going on and it was a really kind of terrifying transition for me so I did yeah I definitely lost some time there which I, I wish I could have got back I suppose it's that Oh, I don't know. I guess over here as well, because like you're, if you're talking about the year six type time, yeah. there's such a there's a huge change in our lives anyway. Because you go from being um, like the big confident person that you get to be in theory um, in year six, where you're top of the school, and then it's yeah. going into uh, like a new place when you're going to year seven at a secondary school. Um, UK people um, <laughs> and uh, there's that almost getting knocked down and being reminded oh you're now not the top dog yeah. <laughs> and there's such yeah. a lot going on in that I guess oh, I don't know like six to nine month period anyway Yeah. and you think to be affected by 
um, additional kind of health concerns and queries at that time is yeah. going to be really challenging for someone of that age, I would have thought. Oh, definitely. I think, it's, you know, at that time you're going through puberty, there's all these things that are changing. And to be added on to that, the fact that I'd kind of missed out a little bit on what my other peers had gotten. It, I mean, it's a huge transition time for anybody. Mm. So I think that is actually a time or quite a common time from what I've heard for mental kind of illnesses and things like that. Traumatic experiences, if you like. I think that is quite a common time for those to happen. So I guess in theory, it, it kind of could have been expected in a way but it was not a good time for me <laughs> no I think I think you're right I think a lot of stuff I don't know if it's being picked up more now because we're maybe more aware of it mm-hmm. but I think there's definitely more people now that are starting to say oh five years ago ten years ago when I was that age actually this is what I was struggling with whether they were diagnosed or not mm. and it's it's trying to work that out like is there something going on that happens to everyone um is it just a stage of growing up are there like clear differences that happen in there so it could be that what you struggled with is what a lot of people struggle with but actually they don't vocalize that and they kind of continue to struggle and they're still struggling now but they won't talk about it yes I think like starting to talk about all of this kind of stuff has been so important. Mm. I mean, so much has changed even in the, you know, 10 years that I've kind of been suffering with it. I remember when I kind of explained to my parents and my teachers, especially my teachers, my teachers were very, they weren't very helpful, basically. Um, I think they just thought that I was, you know, a bit of a sensitive child. That's what they called me. And uh, I was a bit like, okay, well, it must be me. It, It must be who I am. But I mean, obviously, getting to where I am now, I've realized that's definitely not the case. But at that young age, I mean, you believe anything that adults say, don't you? I mean, almost. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I was a bit silly. (laughs) They say they love me. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I think, I do think it's one of those. that you would get um oh, I, I yeah I don't know I think it's nice to see now there's definitely a lot more stuff that goes on around um kind of bracketing into like mindfulness with um young people in schools like I know some places do like more uh like physical or actual sessions around like warming them into stuff and um, I've been into some schools where they do uh, kind of like a let's all stand up, sing a song and dance around before we like like break is finished. But we do this before we sit down and work. Oh, really? Yeah. it's. I don't think that that's not widespread, but I've seen that um, in a couple of primary schools. Oh, I wish we got that. And it's like in my mind, I'm like, I don't think you think this is a mental health activity but it actually is yes (laughs) yeah totally I I can see it starting to filter through um but it's trying to work out like well why is that happening in my head I think that comes from the we've got children they've just been running around we now know that they can't just suddenly sit down and concentrate for an hour yeah and it's trying to break into that I'm like well actually let's look at what you're achieving through doing that and is it something that 
older children could do. I mean, they're not all going to stand up and dance around, but actually saying <laughs> if they came in and did like two, three minutes of like a mindfulness activity before they sit down and have a class, would they be more productive? Would they take in more? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, I, I've heard that they're starting to do more mindfulness in schools and there's a bit more kind of mental health education going on now, which mm. is like, that's definitely the right direction to be going in. Mm. Um, I I really wish that we'd had that when I was at school. I just, I remember being kind of, felt like I was the odd one out, like I was the only one. Nobody really spoke about it. I didn't even really know what was going on with me at that point I didn't even know there was a name for it you know and I guess I mean that's what's really great about the way that this kind of movement is kind of moving and you know Mm. with like the royals speaking out about you know their experiences and such I think people are finally starting to kind of wake up and realize this is kind of this is global basically and the fact that kids are starting to be able to kind of learn about it and kind of have that bit more education that is just that's fantastic I think it's getting across, like you said, it's that little bit of information, that little bit of knowledge so that they can talk about it and it's not a weird thing to talk about. Mm. Um, And having some sort of loose comprehension of what some of the potential illness symptoms are, I think is really handy so they can relate to that. And even if it's just a simple like, oh, this can bring you down or people can struggle with this and... Why do you think they might struggle with that? Because to me, it's very much, especially through like the Twitter chats and hearing people talk about their experience, it's just reinforced to me that um, there isn't like a big, yes, you have this or you don't have this. It's all on a spectrum and it's just like, we will all be affected by anxiety, but maybe I'm only affected by it like 5%. And yeah. you might be affected by it 80%. And that's why you're diagnosed as having that anxiety. <laughs> but it's not that one has it and one doesn't. It's just you have it to a greater degree, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I I, genu- I think I agree with you, to be honest. it's It does make sense. And I think if, you can ex- if there's a way to explain that to kids, mm. that would be really useful. But, of course, you don't really want to overload them and yeah. kind of go the opposite way and make them think that life is terrible at the same mm. time. But, yeah, it's a complicated one, isn't it, to kind of get the balance right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's we've got... <sighs> There's loads of adults that don't understand it. So, <laughs> yes. you know, I don't know if kids are easier or harder to get. <laughs> but I feel like they might be easier now I think about it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can kind of break it down, can't you? Yeah. A bit easier for kids. But, I mean, the fact yeah. that you, you know, adults don't get it either, I mean, it may be a bit of a big one. <laughs> You've not got the stigma with the kids as much. so. That's true. That's very true. That might, yeah. it, it might be an easier sell. <laughs> So how did you kind of move through from that seems like quite a lot to go through um, and a lot of illnesses to be affected by as well? How did you feel kind of going through that process when you were being diagnosed with different illnesses? I was honestly so overwhelmed. I I didn't really know because I was getting all of these like posh words that I'd never heard of. I mean, I'd never heard of emetophobia before. Mm. Um, And I I think at the time I was being diagnosed, I was about properly about 13 or 14. Um, And it was honestly so overwhelming and so scary. And I think 
the process between getting diagnosed and kind of moving forward and understanding the conditions, um, there wasn't really that much talk about it. I went for CBT and I had a really lovely counsellor. She was so, so nice to me. And she did help me get into the mindset where I could be calm um, and can kind of control the anxiety to a point, which was great. Um, but nothing was really said about the other things, um, such as kind of my GAD um, and my depression. I just thought I was sad. Um, and when I seemed to be really intensely sad to the point where I couldn't move out of bed for weeks on end, I just thought, there was something wrong with the way I was seeing the world, you know? Mm. Um, and then eventually the anorexia kind of became a part of it because of my emetophobia. Um, I got to the point where I just didn't want to eat because everything that was kind of put in front of me, I thought I can't eat that cause it's going to make me sick. And I guess I'm really, really happy that I've gotten to where I am now because I've learned so much and I've learned so much from what other people who've got the same diagnosis of me have kind of gone through. Um, and I think it would, what would be really great, what I would like to see is more kind of information about these different kind of diagnoses. I think we need a bit more kind of focus on what it actually is rather than just kind of treating it. Yeah, I've had the diagnosis thing is a weird thing to get into as well because I've had um so I've been I, I don't think I've ever sat there and someone has said yes you have depression um, yeah but uh when I had my uh one-to-one -one therapy like we went through a few bits and so they said um like you have been diagnosed with depression and that's what your antidepressants are for so you've been diagnosed with it and that's why you've got that medication mm. and it's like right okay no one actually said that but cool that you've said it good <laughs> there seems to be loads yeah. of this like i have this with other stuff where they they don't tell you the information it's like it happens and you're somehow meant to know um, yeah. so yeah they never really said that and then I asked about like I said there's there feels like there's other stuff going on and there's other stuff that I'm struggling with um, especially relationships and that's kind of the conversations that we've been having and they agreed with that and they, I said I feel like it fits into something else and I said from what I've kind of looked and read around I feel like I'm being quite heavily affected by borderline personality disorder and it fits in with what we've spoken about and I said, if I wanted to, like, find out about, like, being diagnosed or anything like that, like, how would that happen? What would happen? And all this sort of stuff. And um, they basically said, well, the thing is, is that you wouldn't be given any different medication for that. You would continue on the medication you've got. Um, so you wouldn't be diagnosed. The only reason we ever diagnose someone is for medication. But, like, it, it means nothing other than, essentially, by being diagnosed, you're able to apply for medication sort of thing. Oh, really? I, I did was, not know that. I was like, I don't know if this is a thing or it's how they're trying to describe it to me. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't 100% buy into that. I feel like there's got to be other reasons for people being diagnosed other than just medication. Because yeah. Because some people are diagnosed and don't have medication. Exactly. So what's the point? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Oh, my goodness. I think what... I don't know if what they were trying to do for me is to, like, I I think I was struggling with trying to find, like, a, I don't know about a definition, but be able to say, like, this is what it is and then be able to work on it. Yeah. And they're like, you need to just accept where you are and not try and struggle with some of this stuff. Like, if you mm -hmm. accept it, you'll be able to move through it a lot more easily, which has yeah. helped a lot with some other stuff. 
um, mm. which I get, but I was like, I just, I feel like you've told me something to help push me through, but I'll hold, there's little bits of information like that. Like I'll hold, I will hold on to that. And mm. I'll think, well, but then why do we have, <laughs> why, why do we have all these names for different illnesses? Why yeah, do we have diagnosis if it's only for medication? Like, I just, I didn't quite get that. And I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that when I got diagnosed, I was just like in the same position as you. I was so happy to know what it was Mm. and the fact that it wasn't just kind of me. It wasn't my fault. It was something out of my control. And the fact that they can say that that's just for medication. I I mean, I'm not on medication Mm. currently, but they still diagnosed me. So that's really interesting. I don't know. Maybe it's a thing with like different people that you talk to. Maybe if I was talking to a doctor rather than a therapist maybe that would have been different i really don't know yeah that's really strange but maybe you should try it <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know but again i think that's the like that's the cool thing of having other people that you feel like you can talk to and you can talk about it openly and work out different things and say well this is my experience of when i went along to see the doctor and you can say well this is my experience and i'm like oh actually next time i go back maybe i'll ask this question or that question and yeah a lot of the time they'll tell you what they have to tell you but they won't give you anything else that would actually be beneficial to you yes no I totally get what you mean I went to the doctors for I mean I was feeling really depressed um and my parents basically they didn't know what to do so they just said just go to the GP Mm. so I went and it's quite I mean everybody's as you say everybody's experience is very different and um when I went they basically took one look at me and listened to me and they were like oh yeah you've got this this and this um we've got some kind of medication for you straight away if that's what you want and I was like I don't ideally want to go on medication first I'd like to try and can kind we just of have a chat it. about this yeah exactly it's like here you go have some medication and I was like whoa okay let's slow down a minute and uh, he gave me he ended up giving me a leaflet um about talking about my feelings um which I mean I'm pretty good at talking about how I feel mm. I just like to stop feeling rubbish to yeah. be honest and it, it he didn't really get it at all and that wasn't a very good experience but I've heard that other people have had really positive experiences, so I don't know. I don't know. I think, yeah, it's a mixed bag. And I think, for me, more than anything, that's why the like, being able to talk to people that are... It feels weird to call it the community all the time. But <laughs> <laughs> being able to talk to people on Twitter or wherever um, actually opens you up and it makes you more balanced as well I think because you take on board what other people say but even just by uh, like re-saying what you've gone through like Mm. if you told the same story five times to five different people you're never going to tell it the same each time it will be slightly different and I think when you talk through it that helps kind of reinforce some stuff to you and it also makes you question it a little bit more because you'll have phrased it differently maybe Um, yeah and I think that's one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is that if we don't talk about certain things, you only ever really think whatever your first thought was because you've not spoken to anyone to balance it out or to get a different point of view or you can't, yeah. I think it's quite hard to progress. And I think that's where um, it's really important to talk. And I know some of the guys that I've spoken to before 
where they really struggle with those social interactions, which I can too as well sometimes. Mm. You think that's where the benefit of those chats comes from. And that's obviously worked for us, as we mentioned earlier on. Yeah, definitely. I think it like you make a really great point about being able to talk to people about these things. I mean, I had a really strange experience going to the doctors, as I said, and I came back and spoke to the community about it and got some very different responses. Some people were like, I can't believe that that happened. Some people said, well, did you actually think about medication? Mm. And I was like, um, no, I didn't really think yeah. about the medication at all. I just thought about how kind of shocked I was that that was the first option. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like you say, the community is brilliant. It's a really great way to kind of level out what you're thinking because, you know, when you've been in one of those situations yeah. and you're just so heightened and you're kind of very, very, I mean, I, mean, I am, I'm talking about <laughs> me really. I'm very, very <laughs> sensitive at that point. Um, so I, sometimes I just need somebody to just say, just calm down. You know, <laughs> everything's going to be fine. Just think about but it. Don't generally. say calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You tell me to calm down. I'll freak out so don't say that <laughs> <laughs> i think no it is a good even if you come away thinking exactly the same thing as you thought before you started talking to people mm. it's giving you that little bit of time and it gives you a little bit more information and a couple of other points of view so it definitely helps and yeah i think like we said when you're going along to the doctor or the nurse or wherever you're going it can be a mixed sort of response and for a lot of people that's going to be the first time that you kind of open up to someone about the fact that you're maybe struggling with mental health and you go along to see a doctor you maybe never seen before as well. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, yeah, like you say, just to be told, well, yeah, sounds like this. Um, here's some medication. And you're like, well, can we just have five minutes to talk about like what is going on? Yes. Um, and yeah. maybe some of the options that are available like if medication is one of three things and I've got kind of a choice then that's yeah. cool like for me I think I was told um, it, I could have medication or um, wait to go into um, like a support therapy group Okay. Um, but I was told like I said oh, I'd rather not have medication I'd rather do the support group and they said yeah that's fine but that will be like a three-month wait. Oh, um, no. So I was like, okay, I'll have the medication as well um, because I know that's going to be quite a struggle to wait that long. Um, yeah, So I got definitely. the medication straight away, but then put it in a cupboard and was like, I don't want to take it, but I know I've got it if I need it. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, so it was there, and admittedly, um, like I think I had it for about four weeks and then had a really bad episode which meant I knew I needed to start taking it Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I probably should have started taking it as soon as I got it but <laughs> at least when I decided right I need it two day well a day I think I waited a day or so um, mm. I started taking it straight away then um, so at least it was around I mean I wouldn't recommend holding on to it for ages but if you're thinking I just want to see how I go for the next couple of weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, like it yeah. worked for me and it was a little bit of a security blanket of thinking it was there. But then at the same time, like right, I know whenever I start taking them, it's going to take like two or three weeks for it to do anything. But yeah, that's true. there's kind of that um, placebo thing of, Oh, I'm taking them now. So I do feel like something's happening, even though it's probably not. <laughs> yes yes exactly it's all in the psychology isn't yeah, it it's like, all how you feel oh, i'll tell you how much of a buzzer you want after you go to the doctors especially <laughs> like the first time i'm like 
oh, this is amazing. Like, it's so awesome because I've acknowledged it to myself. I've spoken yeah. to someone. This is awesome. Like, the week, oh, the five to six days after going to the doctors, I was like, maybe that was all I needed. <laughs> and then a week later, I was like, nah, 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 nah. No, you're full. <laughs> that was just a high. <laughs> oh, it brings you straight back to earth, doesn't it, with a bump after that. It's so yeah, annoying. Yeah, that was quite a nice high. <laughs> Dude, you just needed to talk about it. You'll be okay. Actually, no, you won't. No, you won't. (laughs) Um, So you progressed quite a long way, obviously, being able to now talk to people about um, what you've gone through and encourage other people to open up as well through your YouTube channel. How did that come about? Well, I guess I I just got fed up of lying, <laughs> to be honest. I was coming up with tons of different excuses as to why I couldn't go to things or, you know, why I, I couldn't go out or why I couldn't just do the simplest of things like go out shopping. You know, it, it became that bad. Um, and I... <laughs> I don't know why I felt like I needed to lie. I felt like, well, I guess I felt ashamed, to be honest. I I just felt really, really down about what I was going through. And as I said before, I I felt like I was the only one or one of the very few people um, that was going through these kind of issues. And I guess it kind of hit me when I had to say something. Um, I was talking to a friend who I'd known for a really long time and she noticed that something was wrong and I, I couldn't really hide it anymore. And I just said, I have these diagnoses. And I genuinely thought that she wouldn't ever want to talk to me again. Mm. And I don't know why. I guess that was a part of the stigma that was kind of coming through me. Um, And she was so supportive and so helpful. And, you know, she's still my friend even now. And I guess I just thought, hang on a minute. If I've been this quiet for this long, God knows how many people else are out there kind of going through the same thing. Um, and I don't know how YouTube came about. It was kind of a bit of a whim, really. I was like, oh, yeah, let's just, you know, put myself out there on YouTube and see how it goes, you know. And um, after the first video, I I just, I was kind of bitten by this fire. I, I really needed to keep doing it. And I really needed to be a part of this community. And I just, I think it's the best thing I've ever done. Do you think it kind of gives you like uh, an outlet as well, an opportunity to talk through some of the stuff that you might be struggling with or thinking oh, about? Yeah. Because I know for me, like the blogging has really helped with just on those occasions where you're really going through stuff, being able to write stuff down or even at different yeah. stages where it might not be a really intense feeling, but just to kind of get some stuff out actually really, really helps. Yes, definitely. I think that is that is exactly what it is. It's so great to be able to have that outlet. Um, and through doing the videos, um, some people that run their own blogs have kind of asked me to do a bit of writing for them, which was really, really cool. I was really excited by that. So even just doing the blogging and doing the videos and, you know, even just being a part of the community on Twitter, it's, it's just been such a kind of, it's totally the opposite of where I was because I kind of go about my day and I try and ignore the fact that I was having a really bad emetophobia day. Um, but these days I can just kind of tweet about it or you know dm some people that have emetophobia as well for some support and that is huge to me that is just incredible to be able to do that so yeah it's definitely an outlet and it's one that i think 
is really, really useful, especially for people that are suffering. I think it's a really cool way, like you say, to interact with more people mm. um, and kind of builds up that network as well. Um, yeah. Because I know for, for me personally, like one of the things I really struggle with are those relationships and um, like the thoughts that comes that come with those. So for me, yeah. actually building up like uh, a number of people that you can go to for different things, so you don't feel like you're over-reliant or over-invested in any one person actually yeah. really helps and I think as well on the other side of that um if you're always the person that someone comes to sometimes that can be quite a lot to take on especially if again you're talking to someone that's also affected by uh, mental health illness and they're going yeah. through their own stuff um, yes it, it can be quite a lot to um kind of take on that number one supportive role for someone else as well yeah, you definitely have to be careful about that because it can, I mean, it can kind of sneak up on you mm. because obviously you have the best intentions in the world yeah. to be there for everybody, but sometimes you just can't do that. Um, and those kind of relationships are something you should be really aware of, I guess, because it should be a mutual thing, shouldn't it? I mean, mm. you kind of, you can go to somebody when you're feeling low and then they can come to you when they're feeling low. Um, but it, I mean, I, it's kind of that kind of wanting to help thing, isn't it? You just, you want to kind of be there and you want to help because you do understand, but sometimes you do have to kind of take some time out just for your own mental health. Mm. And that's almost like a nice little segue into our next topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I do. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it's obviously one of the things that I've seen mentioned quite a lot, I think, in the last couple of weeks more so. I don't know if it ties into the time of year or whatever. Um, our kind of um, posts and conversations, discussions around kind of self-love and self-care and the fact that it's a really, really important thing for everyone to do, um, not just those of us that are affected by mental health illnesses, but um, I think it can be more important for us sometimes in the fact that I don't want to say everyone because there's probably some people that are great at this, um, <laughs> but most of us seem to really, really struggle with that self-compassionate side. Like we 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 are generally fairly good at being there for other people and kind of um, helping them out, being able to chat through some stuff and being mm -hmm. supportive and signposting. But when it actually comes to ourselves... Yeah, a lot of us are pretty crap at this <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with you it's so true and it's something that we need to kind of focus on more I think and I'm a total hypocrite because I'm terrible at it yeah. I'm really really bad I, I think I get to the end of a week and I've pushed myself really hard and you know it gets to the weekend and I'm just kind of talking down to myself I'm convincing myself that I'm bad at everything and that you know I'm never going to get anywhere in life and, and stuff like that and it's those kind of negative thoughts thoughts that can really trigger really bad kind of mental illness days mm. um and I think I've kind of started to realize that through even just little things like going for a shower or you know washing your hair or doing you know buying some different shampoo I mean that was a huge thing for me that was so cool um it's just little things like that that can really help to kind of lift your mood and then I think only then when you start taking kind of care of yourself the whole self-care thing um can you really start to build up positive kind of views of yourself which is really really important because you know you don't deserve to feel those things and I think it can be hard as well because a lot of the time, um, I don't know, for me, I'll, I don't know if I'm, I'm, sometimes I guess I'm making an effort to kind of 
do something that's relaxing or sometimes I'm just doing it but I'm actually not relaxing like I'm thinking I should be doing that or oh this isn't like as nice as I thought it was going to be like the (laughs) food's not as good or the movie's not as good or actually I'd rather be sat somewhere else or why am I wearing these clothes or (laughs) like oh I should have spoken to that person or whatever I think actually this is like 20 minutes or an hour or two hours where I could just be sat here I could be relaxing I could be um like chilling out watching telly listening to music whatever and just enjoy it rather than stress yourself out and beat yourself up over it and I think that's some things that's some things that's sometimes the thing that um some people don't always understand that actually sitting down to watch a film isn't always relaxing um, yeah and you can really be struggling with stuff mm. um, yeah you, your mind can definitely yeah. run away can't it definitely yeah and I think that's hard to ex- well it's hard to explain now let alone. <laughs> <laughs> it can be really hard to explain explain that it can be yeah. really hard to explain it to someone that maybe hasn't had that experience yeah I totally know what you mean I Thank struggle God. quite a lot in <laughs> I struggle quite a lot at night with the whole kind of like calming down thing and Mm. getting into kind of a calm state to go to sleep in. So I always need like the TV on or some music playing or or something like that. Otherwise, I find, you know, I end up doing exactly the same thing that you do. You know, your mind starts to kind of go on to all these different things that you should have done or that you shouldn't have done and and stuff like that. And it can it can become quite scary to stop, can't it? (laughs) Yeah. kind of what I end up going through and the, the best you ever get is you stop thinking about the stuff that you should have done and just start thinking about how crap you are <laughs> yes I can totally relate oh my god it's like you know me <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh for fuck's sake like this is as good as it gets and then you're like now I'm annoyed that I get like this <laughs> yeah and it's a vicious cycle isn't it it, it totally is. just keeps going and going and yeah. going and it's hard not to just end up reinforcing that. And I think sometimes it's trying to, um, like, I feel for me, it's worked a lot more with that kind of coming back to this, like, non-labelling stuff and acceptance. For me, it's worked a lot more with kind of just accepting, okay, this is happening, like, I'm kind of stressing out about this or I'm worrying about it or it's getting me down. That's happening, like, I am low, that's okay. It'll pass in a moment and kind of not fighting it or thinking about it as much yeah and I'm gradually like I'm still not there but I'm getting better at it and that that kind of thought will pass quicker and it'll be less intrusive like it's still happening but um it's not affecting me anywhere near as much as it was say a year ago yeah um so it's learning what works for you I think as well Totally. I totally agree with you. I think I kind of did the similar thing. I tried to kind of fight it Mm. and try and kind of put it off and just kind of get rid of it for the time being. But instead, you know, if you do that and you don't kind of accept it or process it, it ends up kind of snowballing, doesn't it, into this like huge thing that is suddenly completely crazy. And then, I mean, I end up having really big panic attacks Mm. because I've stored something from Monday up to about Sunday. And yeah. then it's just, it's too much. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, I've had, like, I've always called them episodes because I don't really know what they are, but, mm-hmm. um, like, I've been told it's like a version of a panic attack. Oh, and, right. Um, 
Yeah, like before, I'd have them and they would last for hours. Um, <laughs> and now I'm getting down to like when it happens, it can be like a minute or a couple of minutes and that's it. Mm. And I think it's like you say, because you've tried to fight it, you get so invested in that emotion and that challenge that's going on inside of you. Yeah. It, it turns into such a vicious spiral and cycle and it's a, it's really hard to get out of that. Yeah, totally. What kind of happens to you when you have an episode? What sort of process do you go through? So mine's like, um, I will... Usually, like, the first thing I notice is, like, my eyes become kind of fixed on a point. Oh, right. And I think that's, like... A kind of zoning out process mm-hmm. where um, I think there's like there's a lot of overthinking in this is <laughs> you're partly like zoned out but then you I'm also like trying to focus on something to keep me in like the real world type thing yeah. like mm-hmm. there's a pen or whatever look at the pen like remember there's a pen there and that's a pen or blah 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 and mm-hmm. I'm like, but again you're you're investing so much in fixing your view and mm. that then doesn't help because you're cutting out everything else other than the one thing you're looking at. Yeah. Um, which is weird because, like, as soon as you notice it, it's almost too late. You've already started to do it. Yeah, yeah, um, it's already started, hasn't it? Yeah, and then I will, like, my thoughts can kind of start to spiral. I'll get, um, often it's, like, a foot or leg tapping or, like, a hand tapping. Yeah. Um, and then that will, like, increase in speed and then it will usually spread from, like, either from my legs to my hands or from my hands to my legs Mm. um and then by the time that's happened like I really need to be somewhere that's quite safe like a lot of the time when I feel that start to happen if I'm at home (laughs) if I'm downstairs I'll try to get upstairs so I can get in bed Um, but if I can't get into bed like I'll just lay on the floor wherever I am because I know like it's the, the the less I try to fight it, the easier it is. So if I just accept, right, something's going to happen now, just lay down yeah. and it'll be okay. Yes, um, yeah. Whereas the worst episodes I've had have been when I've been standing up or I've been somewhere and I've tried to fight it. Like I've had it once when I was at a friend's birthday party and that became a lot worse because I sat in the room trying to fight it. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, like I had to, oh, someone took noticed like something was happening and we went outside and she walked around with me and um like that helped but then my like my hands will start to swing like I want to hit myself Mm. um it just becomes so exhausting I bet because again like you've got that crossover of there's now something physical happening at the same Mm -hmm. time as something really intrusive going on in your mind yeah, and I think that's yeah. the thing that you don't always get with like the different versions of panic attacks, where kind of like I've seen someone have a like a diabetic attack. Yeah, and it's that idea that actually yes, nothing physical is happening that you can yeah. see, but actually underneath, like in their body, there can be shitloads of physical stuff going on, and there can be a crapload of stuff going on in their head as well. Yeah, it's like the iceberg thing, isn't it? You know, the top is all you see. Yes, yeah. And I always remember, I I don't know enough about the science of it, um, but I remember seeing this guy have the diabetic attack and he was sweating a lot. And Mm. in my mind, I had this process of, well, 
because I have to have like a so he's sweating what is the reason now there could be a science reason for why the sweat happens but for mm. me it was because actually while I can't see him doing a lot he's doing a lot right now so yeah in his body there's like <laughs> these these are things that probably aren't in bodies like protons and neutrons and stuff firing all over the place like yeah. his muscles are probably contracting mm. um like his mind is shooting at 100 miles an hour or whatever and that's where the sweat comes from because he's still doing lots of stuff i just can't mm. see it yes um, totally but like i said i don't know enough about the science maybe there's a reason <laughs> maybe there's like a sweat gland overload i don't know <laughs> but it's like but it was a great kind of visual for it Mm, and for yeah. me it's kind of the same thing like with the panic attack type things that I've had or I've heard other people talk about mm. and I think yeah it's the same like I won't sweat a lot like I'll get really hot mm-hmm. um, and then immediately after like I'm absolutely exhausted um, like if I've laid on the floor or I'm in bed it can be really hard to get up I just yeah. don't have the energy or the control sometimes to be able to do that yeah. And I think it's that yeah. it's that mental exhaustion that you go through um in those times that it's really hard to explain to someone else. Yes, definitely. It's it's the same with panic attacks to an extent as well. I totally understand what you mean. And I think like you say so much is happening under the surface that you just it's not possible for anybody else to see or feel apart from you. Mm. And I think that can be quite isolating that can be you know really make you feel like you're really alone which is just I guess that's another part of why people feel so you know alone and isolated it's so difficult to explain it is and it's that crossover isn't it of like you can say one thing like say if my story includes five things and you're like oh okay well two of those I've been through (laughs) one of them I've got an idea and the other two I don't really know but you've got Mm. an idea of what's going on yeah and I think sometimes we have this again I guess it's a stigma we hold in ourselves that Mm. when you talk to someone that hasn't experienced or is experiencing a mental health illness there's Mm -hmm. that assumption that actually okay of these five things you don't get any of them yeah when actually they might really understand three of them (laughs) and they're like but they just don't talk about it um so yeah it can be really hard like it's that judgment I guess we have in ourselves as well oh totally totally um, I don't know how, uh, like, how do you feel kind of, you've gone through that process now of, of being diagnosed, of living and working with having a mental health illness and obviously having the YouTube stuff go alongside that, how mm-hmm. you feel in yourself, like now compared to sort of five or 10 years ago? I think now I'm able to kind of explain to myself more what I need to hear and I know kind of I've got this kind of like mantra I stick post-it notes everywhere Mm. (laughs) Um, my house is just covered in them Um, and I just kind of write these little things on them especially if I'm having a really bad day I will write something like um, you know this is just how you're feeling now it's not for forever Mm. and things like that little things that you know in the moment you know when you're feeling so low that you can't, you kind of need those little things to boost you back up and realize actually, you know, this is a bad day. It's not going to be bad forever. It's just a bad day. Um, but what I used to do when I was younger, I mean, especially being a teenager, it's such a turbulent time, isn't it? It's, it's so awkward anyway. Um, when I was a teenager and I was really suffering really, really bad with anxiety, um, I used to just lock myself away in my bedroom and, the thoughts 
it was almost like it's like kind of there was this picture that somebody drew which was this girl in her room getting attacked by all these crows and it kind of feels the same way like the thoughts were just like surrounding you and it's like totally overwhelming but now I think I've managed to kind of find my own way especially with the post-it notes and especially with like little positive affirmations and and stuff like that I've started to kind of find a more positive way to reassure myself um and I think it can be hard as well when you kind of go to other people for reassurance and you don't get what you want (laughs) as Mm. well that can be quite hard so I've learned more to kind of reassure myself now that's cool and that's quite a nice wrap up to our chat I think as well yeah yeah um if people want to find out a little bit more about you where can they go to you can go to twitter um I'm on twitter quite a lot and of course my youtube channel as well miss anxiety I'm always at one of them um so yeah definitely that'd be really cool cool well thank you very much for chatting with me and hopefully we'll hear a lot more from you soon yes definitely thank you for having me no worries talk to you soon Well, yeah, as promised, while the drums ring out, um, there was a little bit of editing with this one. That wasn't actually the end of our conversation. We kind of carried on talking for a bit longer. So I'm going to throw you into the continued conversation. Hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to abandon you. For a second, I thought we did have the chat, didn't we? Did we have the chat? (laughs) No, you have that panic. (laughs) Yes, I totally felt that. Oh, dearie me. Um, How was that for you? That was really great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. No, thanks for coming on. It's really nice. Like, it feels weird every time. Like, every time I talk to someone, it's a little bit different. And it's quite (laughs) nice just to sit here and chat. Yeah, it must be nice to have some variety as well. Yeah, well, it's weird because you think, oh, within reason, like, you're going to have similar conversations. Yeah. And I think, actually, like... The most I've had overlap is like, it's a similar topic, but it's never the same conversation. Oh, that's great. Um, That's so good. Which feels really weird now. I'm like, surely at some some stage it must, it's going to happen. Um, Yeah, I think so. But I haven't got there yet, which is really cool. (laughs) That's so good. How long have you been doing the podcast for? Um, The podcast is a little bit over a year now. Oh, wow. Um, I want to say probably I don't know yeah a year and a couple of months I think yeah um which has been really good like I think I started the first I want to say 10 maybe like 12 episodes was just me Mm -hmm. um and then I had uh Kay come on oh um, yeah and she was the first person and it was like it was really cool like if you're into having something on in the background, listen to like some of those early episodes. Yeah. Warn you now, they are fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> they were proper like, let's just have a chat. I think um, I had one with Danny in America and we chatted for like three and a half hours. Oh, wow. And I was like, dude, I don't do editing. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> and I think I split it into like... um two episodes and did like an hour and a half and an hour and a half and oh, I was like yeah. ain't no one listening to this <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go listen to it now <laughs> and it is like I think it's quite low 
um, on like the number of people that listen like it's so long and there's two parts but I really enjoyed it brilliant <laughs> but yeah we proper lost track of time I can't even remember if we had a topic that we were keeping to but it's quite nice like I feel like I've got a little bit more on step now with trying to keep it to a time limit um because it just makes it a little bit more concise um and it's nice to get um kind of someone to put their story across and at the same time not take like two hours about it um which is i think if there's maybe more of you like if there's four people talking you would probably need a bit more time um but i quite like the idea of having that sort of half hour to an hour of just like two people talking about mental health and the fact that like I'm here all the time I want to talk less um and then because each person is generally on only for I think Rich has come on like three or four times oh yeah um and Kay's come on a couple of times but generally if people are coming on like once and twice Mm. you want them to do more of the talking because you think like that's your chance to talk about your story um, yeah and hopefully sort of push people across to other channels as well like it's nice to think oh if they listen to the podcast and then they just go and look at like a website or a channel and maybe they don't all convert over but actually it just makes them aware of somebody else yeah yeah that's great it's great to network isn't it yeah and it's I think it's nice to kind of have that shared I don't know conversation isn't really the right word but I've done a couple of like guest blog posts for people Mm. um, and I always try to unless it's like a campaign thing I've always tried to keep it really short um, yeah because like I I like doing it for the crossover Mm. um, but I don't know maybe my view is different because I've got the blog and the podcast and I'm like to me the the blog is like my blog and I'm like it's about the stuff that I do and I think Mm-hmm. Um, and the podcast is like my collaboration thing where I like want to talk to people and hear what they think and what they've gone through. Yeah. Um, so I'm always a bit weird. Like when it's the guest writing, I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'll do that. And I'm like, I've written half a page. That kind of feels like as much as I want to write for you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm all up for having a chat. Like, let's do that. <laughs> but otherwise I think it always ends up being the same kind of stuff. Yeah, because yeah. you sit down and you're like, oh, well, what am I going to write? Oh, well, this is what I've gone through. This is what I've done. This is what's helped. Wow, that's the same as what I wrote for the last one. <laughs> yes, oh my God, I totally get what you mean. <laughs> like when someone's talking to you, you're like, they'll phrase a question differently or like the runoff that we had about education. Like it's mm-hmm. not something that I'd thought about, but yeah. because it sort of cropped up in your answer and we spoke about that for like five or ten minutes. And it's just nice because it's that natural... Like, you're just talking and that's where the conversation goes. Yeah, it just flows, doesn't it? Yeah. It's so much more relaxing. Yeah, and it is more, like I said, it's more like a chat then, rather than like, yeah. oh, can you come and do this for our blog post? I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but it's, I don't know, maybe it's just because I don't find it as fun. Yeah, maybe. It is more fun to chat, isn't it? And just yeah. kind of go with the flow. And it's nice, like, you realise um, how many people you talk to online and mm. then... <laughs> you're like oh I've never seen your face if they have like because some people don't have their face as a profile picture or yeah like they don't use their name um or um like if they've never done a video and you've never heard them talk 
Yeah. Like, that can be really weird sometimes as well. Quite strange to put, like, the face to the name and stuff, yeah. isn't it? Well, especially <laughs> because if people don't do any videos and you're like, what are they going to sound like? Yeah. <laughs> and it's I've like had, a lottery. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had a couple of people, that, especially the guys from abroad, where mm. um, you don't know how good, like, the spoken English will be or... Um, like with the American accents and the American mm. sort of slang sometimes. Like I yeah. said, it's the odd little bits. Like we understand what each other's saying, but it's sometimes a little bit disjointed in the conversation because you're not 100% there. And actually, yeah. that's quite <laughs> fun as well because when you're just swapping like text, not text messages, but text messages. Yeah. Um, it's quite bland. You can't, it's not the same as a conversation with voices. Yeah, know. you don't get the personality. Yeah, you, that's, you just that's what I was going. Get the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you explain that much better. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Boom. Yep, that's actually still not quite the end. So there's a little bit more. Sorry. <laughs> Best editing ever. It's like I did. A blog post a little while ago about doing a media kit oh yeah and um i was like i'm not really that fussed i don't really look at um like the stats for stuff because most of the time i'm like the main person i'm doing it for is me like the blogging is like an outlet for me and it's cool to like network with people and stuff like that and then the podcast like i love mm. talking to people i don't yeah. massively care um about like which ones are more popular or anything like that but yeah. then it was quite nice, just as an exercise, to do the media kit, just to go back through and see, like, all of the stuff you've actually achieved. Yeah, that must be so nice. So that was quite cool. And it was, like, the one thing that I found really interesting was that all the faff I put into how the website looks. <laughs> um, and I think it's 90 or 95% of my views come on a mobile phone. <laughs> oh, like, no. So basically wasting my time worrying about how it looks on a computer. <laughs> That's bloody typical, isn't it? Absolutely like, typical. So I was like, that was actually quite useful to know. <laughs> so like, worry more about how it looks on a phone. Because yeah, that's totally. how everyone's looking at it. <laughs> so that was quite cool. And then just looking back at um, like some of the brands I have worked with, looking back at how many um like downloads and stuff the podcast has and mm. um that was quite cool and it's like the sense of achievement from it and I was like I never really feel the need to like send it out to people but yes. actually just for myself like it was quite nice and I think the um I think my blog is gonna be like two years soon Oh, really? So I'm quite tempted to maybe when that's two years, maybe I'll do like a refreshed media kit and like just print it off for me. That would be such a good idea. And that would be quite a nice like, here, look what you've done after two years. Like this many people have read stuff. You've got this many downloads. You've worked with all these people. Like actually how good is all this stuff that you've done? And I think that yeah. would be a really nice, um, it feels weird to say it, but that would be a really nice thing to do for me. Yeah, no, of course. You need that kind of recognition for yourself, don't you? When yeah. you've worked so, so hard at something and you kind of go through the trials, don't you? You go kind of like, this is really good. I love it. And then you kind of like, am I actually really very good at this? And yeah. Then you kind of like, or like, oh, oh you put in so much effort and like 
is it really worth it? And yes, yeah. that's one thing that I do like about like when I got into it and now, while it's always nice to see like, oh, so many people have read it or liked it or whatever. I'm like mm. the main person I'm still doing it for, yeah, it sounds cheesy because I, I hear a lot of people say it now that I don't think mean it, but <laughs> I, I am doing it for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I enjoy doing a little write up about this place I've been to. And I really enjoy like sitting and chatting to people. Yeah. Um, and when I'm really going through it, I need to write down some of the stuff I'm struggling with. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that helps because I'm like, okay, if you get really caught up in it, I could really hate the fact that like no one or only 10 people listened to this or read this or whatever. But actually, mm. I don't care. Like, it's for me. I got a lot out of it. And actually, more than one person has looked at that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is definitely something to be proud of. It's a huge achievement doing all of what you're doing. Totally. It's nice. And you, um, <laughs> you YouTube and everything. I'm like, geez. It's, I think <laughs> it can be scary as well because the... I don't know. I feel like the podcast... It, this is a weird way to put it. I guess because I feel maybe more articulate sometimes when I'm writing. Is yeah. The podcast doesn't feel as revealing as writing, but mm-hmm. it's still kind of... It's not as much as putting your face on stuff. Like, I've done a couple of videos, and they're more like one-offs and some comedy ones. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. I've done two as the halls. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think they're that. quite popular. <laughs> I'm going to go check all this out, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like putting your face on something does feel very different. And I think it's, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It just feels a lot more like you are putting yourself out there more. Um, yeah. So I've got a lot of respect for, for you and for the people that do that. Um because you can kind of come at it as like, oh, it's a little bit of a hobby. But I'm like, actually, you're do like, there's so many skills that are involved in putting that together, mm-hmm. and you're not just doing it and saying, oh, that, yep, that's great, that's for me. Like, put it in a folder. Like, you're putting yeah. it out there for other people to watch as well. Um, yeah. And like we've said, actually, for those people that maybe struggle to interact with stuff, mm. to actually be able to just sit there at home or wherever and watch a five minute video of someone talking about like their struggles and maybe some of the stuff that's helped them can help other people immensely yeah that was definitely the hope I felt really kind of well I was very nervous when I first started doing this and I guess I felt like people would think that I was trying to get attention Mm. for what I was doing and I was especially there was one video that I did that um, I recorded when I was having a really, really bad day. Mm. And I just thought, I need to film this so that people can see it and know that, you know, I'm not all smiles 100% of the time. You know, there are times when I just want to curl up into a ball and cry. Mm. And that video did really, really well. But at Mm. the same time, I was so worried that people would think, oh my God, she's just such an attention seeker. It's ridiculous. So it's kind of like, not thinking about what other people are going to think about you as well, which yeah. I guess is the same for you with your podcast as yeah. well, totally. Yeah, and I guess it's coming to that, again, like the not fighting it. It's almost like saying, right, you're always going to get someone that hates what you do. You're always going to get someone that dislikes it. You're always going to get someone that doesn't believe what you're doing is for you or you're doing it for something else. Like, mm-hmm. and people have said to me that they do it for themselves. I don't believe all of them. Yeah, I don't believe yeah. over half of them. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe all of them mean it. 
And I think yeah. that's okay as well. It's like that acceptance of, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm doing it for me and for knowing that I could be helping someone else. Yeah, exactly. And if you get, say you get 100 people watch um, that video, if 80 of them think, oh, this is shit, isn't she attention seeking? But <laughs> yeah. 20 of them think, actually, like, this is really cool. Okay, 20 doesn't work, my number's out. 15 of them think, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is really cool. Like, she's being honest, she's being out there. Like, it's really authentic. And actually, I really appreciate that she's taken the time to show, like, um, her real self. And it's not just all the pretty stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there could be five people in there. See, the maths works out now. There, there we be, go. <laughs> <laughs> there could be five people in there that say, actually, like, I'm really struggling with this. And actually, this person kind of acknowledges that and maybe I should listen to some of the stuff that they've mentioned in this video or in other videos and maybe there is something else going on with me yeah um and I think it's that I don't know I get the impression sometimes some people want like 90 or 100 percent positive (laughs) feedback from what they do and I think that's just it's completely unrealistic totally and it's a bit like what's the per what's the purpose of what you're doing I don't I don't know, I guess because that's not my purpose, it's a little bit harder to understand. Yeah, yeah, I think it's something you've got to be aware of, isn't it? Especially if you start to do something uh, like what both of us do. You've got to kind of be prepared for people not to like it. Mm. And you've got to kind of have that kind of thick skin where you're like, okay, well, that's okay. You know, you don't like it, but I'm doing it for a different reason. Hmm. Not, I'm not just doing it for you to like it. Yeah. And it can be quite, I mean, I know, especially in the beginning, oh my God, I wanted everybody to love me. Hmm. I was like, please like my videos and, you know, love my videos and love who I am. And it's just unrealistic. Not, you know, nobody always likes you I mean you're always going to meet somebody who doesn't like you and it's not your fault but you know you just don't get on with everyone and that is okay as well Mm. (laughs) I'm now thinking like that last (laughs) that last 20 minutes was pretty good (laughs) (laughs) whack it on in there (laughs) you're making me edit I hate editing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, I'll have a think about that Oh, God. This is why um, I should do quicker goodbyes. <laughs> <laughs> we live and we learn, don't we? Oh, no. <laughs> Congratulations. That's actually the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in and listening all the way to the end. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, sitting down and having a chat with Beth and kind of hearing a lot more about her story and what's going on with her and just getting to know her a little bit more than we do from those online conversations that we've had. So big thank you to Beth slash Miss Anxiety for coming on to the podcast. Uh, A big thank you to you guys for listening in. As always, you can find out more about the podcast over at mikesopenjournal.com, on Twitter, at open underscore journal underscore, and then myself, Mike underscore Douglas underscore, over on the Facebook page, it's obviously Mike's Open Journal. Uh, there's a YouTube page slash channel or whatever it is over there as well. Um, that's just Mike's Open Journal, so you can go and check that out. Uh, the best place to get hold of Beth is obviously over on Twitter, where is where she is uh, at Real Miss Anxiety. Um, so go and check her out as well. So thank you very much for listening, and take care out there. Remember, you're not alone. <laughs>